This week on Prepping 2.0. It's not gardening for gardening's sake. It's gardening for food's sake. Yes. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. You, dear listener, are a prepper. You plan for stuff. Now, in late February, is the time to plan for your summer garden. You can learn from our mistakes in this episode. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. So we're going to be talking an awful lot about gardening in this episode. And I just want you to know I'm sitting here with a whole lot of survival garden seeds in front of me. Why are you shaking a package of survival garden seeds? I am because as we have this whole episode in front of us and you're thinking about seeds and I'm going to talk about them a lot, you should be thinking about where to get all of these interesting varieties that you may not be able to find in a store. Go to our website at prepping2-0.com. Click over on friends and affiliates. Surviving Garden Seeds is there with a really cool coupon code where you can get some of these amazing seeds that are heirloom quality, open pollinated, non-GMO, will last for a long time, all the good things. Don't be a prepping 1.0-er and get your seeds at Home Depot. Top 100 items that disappear first. This is a list from Bosnia Survivors. It's available on our webpage, prepping2-0.com, appropriately under the heading, top 100 list of things. Number 50 cast iron cookware you know there are a couple rules we have in society like you can't make fun of people and you can't hit people there are also a couple exceptions to those rules well there's a few more too well there are more rules but who has time so the rule that you can't be mean to people the exception to that is you can make fun of christians but there's also an exception to the rule that you can't hit people and that is people who try to clean cast iron cookware with soap And the reason is soap messes up cast iron cookware. The cookware creates, if it's properly seasoned, a natural non-stick surface and soap takes it off. If you have ever been washing cookware and there's a bottle of soap around and somebody sees you, you will get punched in the face. Well, you might get hit upside the head with the cast iron cookware. Uh Uh-huh, which is very painful based on a true story. Yep. Yep. Well, here's what you missed from a recent after show if you're not a Patreon. There's something besides just this god-awful circumstance that this country is in right now. If we don't think about prepping and we're just, this is all we've got, the downside is really kind of scary. And we are seeing the outcome of that in just the numbers, the addiction, the depression, the anxiety, the suicide, all of those things. Come on, admit it. You're just a little curious what the funny quote page segment is, I'm guessing. Patreons get it here. It's just $2 a month, and they can go to prepping2-0.com and click on the Patreon button and find out more about it. Or you can get on the Googles and search for Prepping 2.0 and Patreon. Announcement time. The most awesome book in the history of the universe, and yes, I'm biased, is Food Preps 2.0. It is available now. It is available on Amazon. It's exclusively available on Amazon because that's how modern publishing is done. We don't type them up on a typewriter and keep extra copies in our garage and mail them to people. So it's available on Amazon. It's also available on our new website, foodpreps2-0.com. They are flying off the shelves. Everybody who's anybody, all the cool kids are getting their copy. Shelby, true or false, we have books for sale on our website. We do in a couple of different ways. So if you're sitting here listening to Glenn and you're thinking to yourself, I just had three websites thrown at me. Uh Uh-oh. Easy. Just go to prepping2-o.com. Right at the top, there's a link that will take you to all the places on Amazon where you can get it. The other thing, this is a little little side note. I know a lot of you like having an autographed copy, which is awesome. We think we that love is it. super special. If you go to our shop page, at prepping2.com, exactly, you can order an autographed copy, and we'd love to sign one for you and send it to you or to someone you would like to give it to as a gift. Not only is it a great book, you get a signed copy. It's kind of fun. It's yeah. kind of fun. And you know what? Doggone it, you deserve it. Well. If you're like me, gardening isn't your biggest interest in prepping, but luckily, Shelby is a wealth of knowledge about it. Today, we hear mostly from her about how to plan a bountiful garden 
that pops up in the summer. You can learn from our mistakes. We will be describing some of our mistakes that we've made, which is the best way to learn. And along the way in this episode, I'm going to make some jokes about planting a taco bush that produces ready-to-eat tacos. I don't add much to this episode. Well, I will say this, though, in our books. You mm. do talk about in our book how the to grow a taco. Bush. Yeah, the taco bushes. It, it's patented, the seeds, it's a non-GMO taco bush. It's open pollinated. I yeah. mean, it gets real. I mean, it's delicious. We're completely joking. I have yes. to say that. Somebody out there is going to be like- <laughs> Somebody's going to send me an email. It's going to be like, no, we were kidding. It's true. Yeah, where do I get the taco bush, guys? Well, why don't you start off because you actually know something about this topic and I'm just going to make fun of stuff and- chirp off in the background. This episode is basically why you want to start your garden now. It's late February when this airs. Which seems kind of Kind of early. It's really not. If you have been around the sun a few times and tried a few attempts like I have about how to do this gardening thing and take full advantage of the growing season that you have in your area of the country, you only got one shot at this summer season. So here we go. What is a fundamental reality of food preps? I will answer my own question. You cannot store enough food to last you the rest of your life. At some point, you're going to need to generate all or some of your own food for yourself, for your crew, for charity, and for barter. So this gardening thing is not some sideshow. It is directly related to prepping. It is directly related in particular to food preps. We always want to keep bringing it back to prepping. So with that, please tell people what they need to know about some things to think about gardening wise. If you're like most people who've done this gardening thing a little bit, you'll get to the point like me where you want to start growing seeds. You're not just going to want to buy plants from the garden center. I've done that for years. And the more I talk through this show, I think you'll realize why probably growing your seeds, at least some of your plants that you put in your garden this summer, you should start because of what I'm about to say. First thing you need to do is find out your growing zone. I know that that sounds dumb. Oh my gosh, zone whatever I'm in. I don't what is know. this, like a zip code? Uh, exactly, you would think so. So if you just Google, I'm sorry, DuckDuckGo, yes. and find your growing zone, it's a standard thing. There's maps, there's charts, there's whatever. Put your zip code in, it'll tell you the zone. We live in zone five. And if you look at the map of the country, we're in a cold zone. The majority of the United States is in generally seven or eight, which is where I've spent most of my life is in zone seven or eight, which is warmer. Basically, it figures out those zones have determined what your cold zone is, how cold your climate gets where you live and your last frost date. So for example, in zone five, where we live, generally our last frost date is mid-May and our temperature, according to the chart, can get to negative 20 in the winter. We've seen that. And more. We've gone to negative 30 this year. So in zone seven, that generally is zero to 10 in the winter. Zone eight, it's 10 to 20. It's a little bit more temperate of a climate and they have a longer growing season. Are seeds and other garden things designed to be used in various zones? Are these zones just like kind of a neat thing to know or does a seed packet have the zones on it and say, this is good in the following zones. Generally, yeah, seed packets, a good seed packet will. I will say this for survival garden seeds, they've tried to choose for their line of seeds, things that go from all of these zones that you can grow them within the United States so that you don't have to think about zones. They don't have it on their packet, but most of the time seeds do, which is why, again, it's good to know your zone, right? So we're, yes. we're in a cold climate. So we're one of the weirdos here. I got to jump back to my outline here. But we're not as weird as Alaska. Sorry, Alaska. Here's what's really cool though, too, because all of us are really, really wanting like non-GMO, heirloom quality seeds, heirloom meaning you can easily propagate it from year to year because it's got a hardiness to it. It's been tried and true over many decades. It's not hybridized. Here's what's really cool for people like me. And I've just discovered this this last year. Where is one of the hardest places on earth to grow vegetables? Space. Yes, on earth, I said. Antarctica. Close, Siberia. Yeah, I would say that's a hard yeah. place to grow vegetables. So what's really interesting. Thanks, Putin. Yeah, for those. <laughs> Maybe if we gave some more aid to Ukraine, oh vegetables would grow in Siberia. But no, I'm getting off on a political yes, topic. Yes, you are. So what's interesting, there's some amazing varieties of the vegetables we're going to talk about today that have been developed out of Siberia. What? 
people can grow vegetables in Siberia because they've created varieties of peppers, tomatoes that can handle, they're cold tolerant. So for people like me who live in Western Montana, those are what I'm looking for. Those varieties, those specific varieties, because they're heirloom and they can handle the cold. And I'm not going to find these at my garden center. I'm going to pretty much find these in seed form. So there's a good reason to think about growing your seeds that are specific to your climate instead of just what they have at Home Depot. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes a ton of sense. So consider what you want to grow. Most people want to grow one of two plants. I'd say 80% of the things we grow in our vegetable garden in the summer fall into two categories, nightshade plants. And those are your tomatoes, your peppers, your eggplants. Ugh. Oh my goodness. I hate eggplants. It. Let's not even consider that a food. I mean, if you get a packet of eggplant seeds, use it for like a little shake toy to torture your cat with. So for those of you who love eggplant, don't send us yeah. any emails. We don't like eggplant. So we're not, that's a good example. We're not going to grow something we don't like. Yeah. We got to grow. <laughs> we want to grow stuff that we're going to eat. So, but nightshade plants generally don't like the cold at all. And they really want heat. They want warm, warm summers. So again, there's varieties that have come out of typically Siberia, believe it or not, that have been hybridized in a way to handle these climates that are cold, like for us. The other part of your garden is going to be brassicas, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. They're all part of the same family. And they do not like the heat. No. They want, typically they can handle chillier nights. Here's a good example again of the don't buy it always at Home Depot. I remember back when we lived in Western Washington. Oh, look, there's Brussels sprouts here at the garden center in May. I'm going to go plant them and grow them. And then I'm growing them in June and July in the heat. They're getting super just tough and woody and they're attracting every bug to the greenhouse known to mankind. So I'm having to fight off the bugs that are not only attacking the Brussels sprouts, but everything else. Just grabbing seeds that are available at Home Depot is an example of what you've heard me describe previously as the buy it now prepping mistake. And just because Home Depot has them doesn't mean it's the time for them or it's part of your temperate zone climate number. You have to put some more thought into it than just grabbing something Mm -hmm. on the way out as you check out. And so this is why we're doing this show now. You know, another thing we should tell folks about is our amazing advertisers. These are the folks that keep the lights on. Let me tell you something, you know, a podcast, and I'll be candid, this is a very high quality podcast due to Andy, who's awesome. These are not cheap to put on. We need advertisers. We need you guys to send your business, not to Home Depot, but to our advertisers. And one of our best ones right off the bat, Pro One Water Filters. Ever wondering how you're going to get your water preps checked off? Pro One, check them out at our website, prepping2-0.com. Click over in Friends and Affiliates, and you'll find them over there, as well as Katie Armour, Backwoods Home Magazine. Numana Foods, oh my gosh, bulk freeze-dried foods. Boom, take care of your deep food preps right there. EMP Shield. Gibbs Arms, and of course, yes. podcast access. Be like us. Do a podcast. It's easier than it looks when you have an awesome producer. So let's jump into the idea of fleshing out, choosing your varieties based upon your needs in your zone instead of what's available at your garden centers. So here's what I want to kind of talk about. If you live in southern states, southern states, Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, Florida, you generally have a very long growing season with little risk of frost. However, you have extreme heat and you can grow things like citrus fruits that I can't. However, it goes both ways. I get to grow berries and things like apples and other fruits that you can't. And the reason why is these different plants require different zones. Now, if you go out there on YouTubeville, you're going to find somebody in, you know, I don't know, Nova Scotia, Canada, that's figured out a way to create pristine conditions to grow lemon trees. <laughs> I don't have enough time or mental energy to put all of the things in place to make that happen. So I'm not going to do it. One thing I wanted to mention when you mentioned apple trees is an observation I've had. And this, again, is focusing on food preps, which is the topic of our book, Food Preps 2.0. There are two approaches to having apples. One is to grow your own apple trees and let's say half of them die so you need to plant two apple trees let's say it takes 
five to 10, maybe 15 years for maturation. So you're getting apples and that's great. What should you do in the intervening five to 10 to 15 years? You should go to over to your neighbor's house. He or she has an apple tree and has a bunch of apples that fall on the ground. Say, hey, can I pick up your apples? And he or she will say, yeah, that'd be really cool. I'd appreciate that. It'll keep the starlings away. And so you don't have to necessarily grow all this stuff on your own when it takes a while. The best plan, in my opinion, is to do both, is to plant your own trees, figure that out, do a little bit of research. And then also find a neighbor or somebody else that has the fruit all ready to go. So once again, you don't have to do it all, but you should layer what you're doing by growing your own and relying on others. I just wanted to mention that when you mentioned apple trees, because it is such a fundamental point. It's easy to get discouraged when you think to yourself, oh, I'll just wait 15 years for these apples to grow. By the time that happens, who knows whether we even, you know, have a disruption facing us. I'm going to kind of get into why it's good to know your zone. So yeah. like I was just saying, in the southern states, you have a really long growing season. Like your like first frost date might even be in like March, a risk of frost, like overnight frost. Mine is mid-May. So I am not going to put anything in the ground until after mid-May. Truly, because I don't want a little tiny plant that I've worked so hard with and nursed for a couple months to go zing and go away. That's the big one. So I'm starting plants now inside and we'll keep them inside and we'll have, you know, windowsills and, you know, sunny places in my house with plants and that's okay. The other thing you want to look at, though, looking at that is as I'm thinking about this, I have one good growing season here in Western Montana, whereas in the Southern growing season, you might have two. You can start plants now, get them in the ground in April, get all your fruits and plants, you know, have it go to maturation and get all your fruits and veggies and then do it again Yeah. into August or September. I can kind of do that with succession sowing and we'll talk more about that. But Here's what you're looking at. Like I'm looking at a couple of my garden seeds, my survival garden yeah. seeds. Soil temperature for these to germinate. I'm looking at a cabbage, Brunswick cabbage, 75 degrees. Yeah. We do not have that right now, do we, Glenn? No. We have- um, It's minus 75. <laughs> um, another one is 70. So I need to be able to grow those inside in room temperature. So if you're in a warmer climate, clearly you've got a little bit more leeway with that. And when you have to get it out of your house and in the ground, which is great. So I want you to see why people who are in cold climates are starting seeds now indoors. Most people are as a general rule. So I want to talk about what am I growing right now? We're going to start out with tomatoes. And I have learned my lesson with tomatoes because I have been... Not as easy as it looks to grow tomatoes. No. I have been typically the one who just buys the tomato plants at the garden center. And in May, when they're about two or three inches tall, when they really need to be in Western Montana, 12 to 18 inches tall, because... There's two kinds of tomatoes out there, and all of you who have done tomatoes know this, but I'm going to let it be known for people who don't know. Look very closely at those labels on those plants. If you live in a cold climate and you see the words indeterminate, set it down and keep on looking. An indeterminate tomato plant, this is very important. If you live in a warm climate, you're great. Indeterminate means it is just going to keep growing and it's going to keep putting tomatoes out. They may turn red, they may not. And that plant's going to keep on growing until disease or frost kills it. You're not going to get red tomatoes all at once. You're not going to get, you might get a red tomato here and there. You don't know when it's going to turn red because it's indeterminate. For a long growing season, that's fine. For those of us in a short growing season, I need those bad ways to turn red and then I need to move on. Determinate tomato plants don't just keep growing and growing. At about a certain point, they reach maturation yes. and then they turn red and then the plant dies. Awesome. That's perfect for my growing climate. So I've learned my lesson. I am never, ever in Western Montana going to grow an indeterminate tomato. I've Don't do it. Don't do it. I grew like four different varieties last summer. So frustrating. So I have bought about six or seven varieties of seeds that are heirloom, non-GMO, Siberian tested tomatoes, two kinds. One that determinate. Are determinate. Yes. They're going to be large tomato plants like yeah. that will make big, huge tomatoes. I'm also going to do some pots that do like little cherry sized tomatoes on our porch. I just want to see how they're they do. They're great for salad. Yeah, they're great for just go out or just sit there and kind of munch on them. But they are determinate. 
They're going to grow quickly. They're going to die off. That also allows me in a cold climate to do successive planting. So I'm going to plant some here in the next week or two. So in the house. In the seedlings. house. Seedlings. Seedlings in the house. So that by mid-April, I've got them to be about probably about a foot tall. And then in April, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do another splash of seeds so that I can have mature tomatoes in June and then in August. Do you see how I can work I that? see how you're staging this. And this brings up another good point. And I keep coming back to the book on food preps because it's all about eating. I mean, that's why we're doing this. You should have a plan. You don't have to figure it out now in February. You should have a plan for each kind of fruit or vegetable that you are growing about how you're going to preserve it. I guess you can eat some fresh. That's especially true with mm-hmm. lettuce. Oh, yeah. You can have like a daily salad. It's great. But for most things, you're going to want to have at least a rough idea about how you're going to preserve it. And when you mentioned tomatoes, that's what got me thinking about this because tomatoes are a classic food that can be preserved in a variety of ways. You can freeze dry it. You can make tomato sauce. You can home can them. I'm not really a big fan of dehydrated tomatoes. I think that's a little weird. But having the back of your mind, okay, how am I going to preserve this? And understand that gardening is a system. You knew I was going to say that word. You got to grow the food. You got to harvest the food. And you got to preserve the food. So when you're thinking about how much time this is going to take, don't just say, oh, it's June. My tomatoes are here. That's the end of the story. No, that's about the midpoint of the story. The end of the story is you take all those June tomatoes and you turn them into spaghetti sauce. That's how you have to think about this. It's not gardening for gardening's sake. It's gardening for food's sake. Yes. And so when you are in June and you're planning on, okay, my tomato plants are all going to kind of go ripe within a couple weeks time in June. That's when we get the pots out. That's when we get the dehydrate, not probably not for Glen dehydrating, but freeze dryer up. I'm going to make sure I've got my salsa jars ready. That's what's frustrating about indeterminate tomatoes where I grow. When I'm wanting to do batches like that of some sauces or some salsas, and I'm waiting for these things to turn red because I need like, you know, several pounds of them. It's very frustrating. So indeterminate tomatoes work better for us and it may not work for you. So that's where you have to really- Determinate tomatoes work better. Yes, excuse me. Determinate- We will get emails about that. Yes, we will. Will work better for us, whereas indeterminate will probably work better for other people in different climates. See how climates become such an important issue when you're thinking about this and not just buy what they have at Home Depot. So folks in the South, that successive planting that I was just talking about. Yes. Oh, maximize it. Do what you can do it so that you have tomatoes coming in April, June, August, October, and really just crank them out. It's a pretty amazing process. So on the other side of the break, we're going to kind of wrap it up here a little bit, but I encourage people... I'm going to say wrap it up before we go on the break. There you go. Chapter 19 of our book. And what's the name of that book again? It's foodpreps2-0.com. Yeah. Or foodpreps2.0. Chapter 19, you'll see we talk more about what um, Glenn was just talking about. If you're going to garden, be ready to preserve. preserve. We're not going to come out with a gardening book because there's 10,000 out there and there's 10,000 YouTube channels. But we did want to hit on it about how... Gardening is definitely one of the layers in your preps. Just be ready to preserve on the other side of it, which reminds me, we got to go to a break. So come back and join us on the other side of the break. More Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. 
Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One Water Filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One Water Filter Gravity Systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, Make solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself and save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for rejoining us. We're just getting started with the conversation about planning out your garden now during the cold of winter so that you have an awesome growing season. Paul Burke is a realtor in Idaho. He's one of us. He is an expert at relocating folks to Idaho. Why might you be considering Idaho? Well, the state used to be famous for potatoes, but now it's famous for taco bushes. Yes, there are taco bushes that grow in Idaho and you just plant a seed, put some water on it, and then you get up seeds, there you go. And then you get fresh, delicious tacos anytime you want it. Only available in Idaho, only available if you hire Paul Burke. It's not true. There are no taco bushes, but Paul Burke is for real. He'll help you get there. Taco bushes are fake. Paul Burke is for real. Archive Dive, this is where we go back and look at previous episodes. We have so many new listeners every week. Thank you, new listeners, by the way. We did episode 122 back in March of 2021. It was on Concealed Carry. Our guest was Bob Main of the Handgun World podcast. Bob has had an injury. And oh, my gosh. Is Say a few prayers back. for yeah, that man. Yeah, a few prayers for Bob. It was a terrific episode. There's so much lore and urban myths and all of that bad information out there about concealed carry. Bob is an expert at it and broke it down. So Shelby, please resume with your very informative discussion of gardening. Well, we just kind of finished off like a general discussion about tomatoes and how in the Shelby Glenn household, we're going to start a whole different variety of them. Part of it is experimental for me to see which ones do the best this year. Yeah. I mean, I did pretty decently with tomatoes last year. I just wish they'd turned ripe. 
instead of kept growing green ones. So that's where I changed my strategy to determinate tomatoes. Kind of the same thing with peppers. I want peppers. I like peppers. They're used in so many different things, whether it be hot or like a bell pepper type of pepper. This is what we ran into last year in our cold climate. Peppers need heat. They need more heat in some ways than tomatoes do, and they need a long growing season. You're going to spend most of your summer, the plant just getting to maturity, which is what we did last summer. And right about when the nights were starting to get too cold is when the peppers came. Yeah, for about a day. Yeah, and so what I did, if some of you remember, especially if you're joining us over on Patreon, about mid-September, I just took off all the peppers, whether they were mature or not, from our pepper plants. And those went bye-bye, and I preserved those peppers, and I put them into a tincture that we did. But this is where I'm like, I need to find a better variety, one that's cold-hardy. And I need to start it early. Those are the seeds that I have just started. And those are the ones that I'm going to babysit and keep in the house until mid-May. I wanted to highlight when she said experimenting with peppers and tomatoes, it's okay to experiment. It's okay to have a bad season. This is not one of these situations where if your tomatoes don't come in, you're a failure. Part of gardening, and this is why I don't like it to be candid, is patience is involved. And I'm not very good at that. You need to be patient. You need to factor in that it's going to take several seasons to experiment and get it right. And you need to not be disappointed when stuff doesn't go well. You need to understand this is part of a multi-year process. Well, and let me add to that. Oh, gosh, yes. If you can't hear it in my voice, you know, there's things that I'm perfecting from last summer. Here's what's cool. If I start some seeds now and let's just say, I don't know, the whole tray falls off the counter and they're all gone and all the plants die or whatever. I still can go to the garden center and buy some mature yeah, plants and take a shot. you have a, a backup plan. Yeah, I have a bit of a, a little bit more expensive, but... I can do that, but I want to get good at growing seeds that are good in my climate. And you've heard us talk about that. If you're one of these people that have bought like a big seed vault of seeds and you're just keeping them because, you know, when things get spicy and food is no longer available in grocery stores, you're just going to grow something. I hope you hear it in my voice. This will take you some time. That brings us to another thing. Think about a goal of like this summer, I would like to have about 20% of what we eat to come out of our garden. That was a goal last summer, but when tomatoes and peppers weren't doing what I needed them to do, that changed. I would like to eat more salads and green vegetables that come out of our garden than we have in years past. Absolutely. Set a goal like that. Exactly. And I think you mean 20% of the food you eat in the summer season, not not the entire year. No. Yes. I want us to eat more salads and more fresh vegetables this summer out of our garden than we do out of the grocery store. May I add to the fresh vegetable topic, what little I know about it, and that's what tastes good because that's what resonates with me. Homegrown vegetables taste magnificent. They taste so much better It's like the only analogy I can come up with is tang. You remember that? That's the fake orange juice you add water to and fresh squeezed orange juice. That's kind of the difference. That's kind of a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes eating salads enjoyable. I think God designed salads to be delicious and enjoyable. We've just kind of messed it up by trucking everything in from Fresno. And so it's way better. So just understand that's what's in it for you to Mm -hmm. go to all this trouble is you're going to have much better salads. And I'd like to add that when you entertain folks in the summer and you are able to put out a real salad with real delicious homegrown vegetables, people like you. Oh, they're impressed. Yeah. So let's talk about the next kind of cold, hardy plants. And we were talking about the peppers. We started on that. Two things I've done differently. One, I've found some varieties that are Siberian tested. The other thing I'm going to do, because they need such a long growing season and they do not overwinter here in our states, I am going to grow them only in buckets so that when we have that September night come up, those nights that come up that are super chilly, I can take those buckets and put them into the greenhouse and extend the growing season. Now, if you live in a southern climate, you don't have to worry about that because in southern climates, honestly, green peppers are a perennial. They don't die off. You can just kind of let them go dormant and just kind of sit still for the winter and have peppers next year. 
I'm so jealous. So if you are in a cold climate, think about putting them in buckets so that you can move them around and get some more good peppers out of them. So we're going to do about four or five different varieties this year. Some are hot, some are mild, some are big, some are small. So I encourage you to do that, especially if you're new to your climate. Any thoughts? Yes, somewhat related. And that is one of the principles in Food Preps 2.0 is that you need to accept that when you're eating food preps, that it's not like it used to be. And that is to say you need to accommodate new foods, new recipes, and all of that. And so you may not be used to eating your own salads or making your own homemade salsa, which is amazing. Shelby's homemade salsa is spectacular. So get into your mind that you need to make some mental changes and get out of a comfort zone. You know, instead of Uber Eats or whatever it may be, you're going to be eating different foods and make it fun. Make it like a fun experiment. Oh, I'm going to, let me tell you something, homegrown carrots actually taste like something. Oh my something. gosh, they're awesome. They're not like orange celery, which is tasteless, right? And so just understand that you're going to be eating different foods and embrace it because it's kind of awesome. So the next thing I want to talk about, so take away the brassica and nightshade. We're done with those. Those are your peppers and those are your tomatoes. And let's go into the brassicas. I should say that differently. Brassicas are your cauliflowers, your Brussels sprouts, your cabbages. I generally really like Brussels sprouts. I didn't when I was a kid. Cabbage, I was grown to like because I found ways to prepare it, specifically fermented and honestly grilled. Take a big slice of that and grill it. Brassicas like cool weather. They don't like the heat. We talked about it when I bought Brussels sprouts and tried to grow them in the summer. I have a whole tray of Brussels sprouts growing right now. Seedlings. Seedlings. So that when about April or May come up and I can put them in the greenhouse where it's going to still be chilly but not freezing, I will have some pretty decent Brussels sprouts come about May. So I'm going to have some pretty decent veggies in my greenhouse in May. I'm kind of excited about that. So I've gotten Brussels sprouts going. I'm going to probably do some cabbage. I did try to grow them last fall and they didn't do so well. That's okay. We're going to try again. Here's what's really cool. I want to just throw this out there. Let's go back to survival garden seeds. Audio effect. I encourage you to look up their selection of broccolis and cabbages. They have multiple varieties that are really good. One cabbage I have here in front of me, it looks like romaine lettuce. It's Michi Hilly. M-I-C-H-I-H-I-L-I. Michi Hilly. It's like Michigan with the word hilly after it. It looks like it's a cabbage that looks like mm -hmm. romaine lettuce. So cabbages and Brussels sprouts and broccolinis and broccolis are really fun in those chillier times of the year, the spring and the fall. And so for those of us who have kind of chilly springs because of where we live, we can grow some veggies. For those of you who have super hot summers, spring and fall is a great time to grow things. So something to think about there. And then there's the other vegetable that absolutely hates the heat. Do you even know what it is? Potatoes. Nope, we're not there yet. Okay. Lettuce. Oh, yeah. So when you grow lettuce in extreme heat, like we're talking June, July, August, when it's Blech. over 80 degrees. It's like microwaving lettuce. If you've ever had a hamburger and somebody microwaved it and had lettuce on it, it's like warm lettuce is disgusting. That's how you can remember that lettuce doesn't like warm weather. So two things that lettuce plants do in the heat, they don't just wilt like they do in the microwave. They turn bitter mm -hmm. because they're fighting against the heat. And then they do They're it. like feminists. Yeah, there you go. The other thing that they do is they do what's called bolting. You've seen bolted lettuce, right? Yeah. So what that means is it's good chicken food. It means that the plant is in distress and the plant is thinking to itself because they think, you know. Right. And they're little brains. Right. Oh, Very no, little brains. We're about to die. We need to reproduce ourselves before we die. That's kind of what the plant is. So they're going to send up this big shoot that has seeds at the end of it. That are yucky. That are yucky. And if a plant is doing, if a lettuce plant of any kind is doing that for the most part, it's now in its bitter form. It doesn't taste very good. And it's because it's been exposed to extreme heat. So this is a good time of year, probably for us more like March, to one, put some lettuce seeds. And again, there's so many varieties of them out there. And you will have lettuce 
that you can eat within about three to four weeks. They're fast growing. They don't need a big pot. You can have yummy lettuce in like March, April, May, sometimes even a little bit into June, take them out and then put your tomatoes in the same spot. Mm -hmm. So you can see how you can really plan out your growing season and make your growing in your garden really strategic. The other cool thing about lettuce, as well as tomatoes, you can grow them in containers. If you live in an apartment or in a city where you don't have a big yard, you can grow most of these in very small spaces, which is great. You've got some good veggies and things through this summer. So yeah, what else am I missing out on lettuce? Can you think of anything? Uh, don't try to freeze dry lettuce. We're huge fans of Harvest Right freeze dryers. I think one of the dumbest slash least tasty things in the universe would be freeze dried lettuce. I don't think anyone's ever tried it. So I think that we can universally agree that freeze dried lettuce is awful. Right. When we're talking about preserving, lettuce is a silly thing to think about. But that's one of the exceptions. That's yes. one of the fresh food only sorts of foods. What motivates me to want to grow lettuce typically is one, when you are growing those kind of micro greensy kind of lettuces that are not just iceberg lettuce, you're getting some really amazing micronutrients. And you're getting friends because they like the delicious right. salads that you make for them. And then the next time you go to the grocery store, price out what a bag of leafy greens costs. Last time I checked, last year was around $11 for a small bag. Now it's around 15. I can buy about six packs of seeds and have lettuce successively growing through the summer for the same amount as one bag. Yeah. It's really cost effective and they're super easy. So one of the ones that you, when we were first together that you always wanted to talk about. Now, again, we're out of the brassicas. We're out of the nightshades. We're going yeah. off into other things. Potatoes. Yes. Here's my theory about potatoes and Shelby can shoot me down and tell me that I'm dumb because I probably am Q -Q. on this. Um, my thought about potatoes is they're super easy to grow. They don't require a greenhouse and you can grill a garden, which usually means growing them on somebody else's land, which I'm not suggesting. But you could just plant them in a part of your yard or forest or whatever it is, maybe just have a marker of some kind so you can find them. It doesn't need to say potatoes. It could say, you know, dead bodies or something so people <laughs> don't mess with you, right? And so you can just grow them and they kind of are growing under the radar. They're just kind of doing their thing. And of course you eat the roots. Potatoes are a tuber. Yes, if I, be are. I believe well I have done. that. Thank you. Garden vocabulary for 5,000, yes. please. And, winner, uh, winner. and then a little plant comes up. And so you can pick them whenever you need a potato or 10. And they are phenomenal sources of carbohydrates. If you're going to have carbohydrates and I try, Shelby and I try to have few carbohydrates. If you're going to have carbohydrates, they ought to be potatoes because they're very, very nutritious, especially if you keep the skin on. And there's a bunch of varieties. You can get big bakers. You can get little red potatoes, otherwise called new potatoes. Not sure why. Yukon gold, you can get a variety of them. And so I like them because they are probably the lowest maintenance garden item. And when you get down to it, they may not actually be garden items. They may actually be more permaculture items. Yeah. So that's why I'm a huge fan of potatoes. Oh, and there's a million ways to cook them. There's a million ways to preserve them. So I am a big fan of potatoes. Tell me what I don't know about potatoes. No, you just hit all my points here. So just so you know, from the Tate Gallagher household, we started a potato patch in Western Washington yeah. and had to say goodbye to it. So I don't know how they're doing over there. Yeah. Um, the next owners of the house probably do, but um, that's not something we've done a whole lot of. And part of it is because I've been prioritizing other vegetables over it because of the carb situation. But if you are a prepper and you're thinking about calories, which we talk about pretty heavily in our book yeah. about how you need to plan out calories. It is one of the highest calorie vegetables you can grow. It's high carbs. It's complex carbs. It's good for you carbs with a lot of nutrition. In other words, it's not like eating a piece of bread kind of carbs. You're getting some good nutrition with it. But for us, we're not going to eat potatoes like you do lettuce, where we're going to kind of pick it and eat it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a wonderful world? Oh my world? gosh, that would be like wonderful. But we can't. We cannot eat carbs like that. But that's where the plan needs to be in place. What are we going to do to preserve them? It's generally going to be dehydrating, pressure canning, 
um, freeze freeze drying for sure. And then using them to propagate from there, using a few to propagate. But yeah, you can grow them like Glenn said, kind of guerrilla warfare kind of style where they're kind of hidden in the woods. Grow bags, buckets, garbage what am I cans. looking at? Cans, yeah. Where you're just throwing dirt and potato seeds in there and just kind of letting them go and making sure they're watered. I mean, that's about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the low maintenance way to garden or permaculture, really. Or permaculture, yes. So that kind of is a great segue mm-hmm. into perennials. What are oh, perennials? They grow year after year. Yes, they do. How many perennials can we find in Western Montana? A lot. Not really. Okay. Not ones that make us food anyway. We have lots of flowers that come back. That's what I was thinking um, of. Yep. So for those of us who live in a super cold climate like us, it's hard to find food sources that come back every year. It's more medicinal herbs. It's more natural growing berries and things like that. So what I've started to grow from seed recently, that's a perennial that will survive here in Western Montana is echinacea. Super easy to grow. I've been told. I haven't done it yet, but the seeds are in the dirt. We'll see what happens. The other one is just your natural growing fruit trees and native plants. And for honestly, for here, it's elderberries. And what's interesting, and this is where my example of experimentation is, and Glenn has had to be the witness to this. It clogs up my bathroom. It clogs up your bathroom, your guest bathroom. Yeah. So if you look out there on the interwebs, it says elderberries are super easy to propagate. Oh, yeah, I can take a twig off the tree during this time of year when they're dormant, and I can make it grow some branches off of it, and then they die. Huh. You've witnessed this. I have. Why is it doing that? I'm on my fourth or fifth experiment on what I can do to make these grow and stick down some roots so I can propagate elderberries so that I can have more elderberries. So I think that's a good example. What are of, elderberries used for? Oh my gosh, food. They're considered a superfood. They're berries. They are berries. They're used very similarly as currants or maybe blueberries, you know, elderberry muffins or whatever. They're superfood. They're super high in all the nutrients as well as an immune booster, which is why it was super popular during the flu. Yeah, the word we don't use. Anymore. And it can also, and I've done a couple of shows on the medicinal values of it. You can make it into a tincture, make it into a tea. You can make it into all kinds of medicinal remedies. It's an amazing food. So we found out that we have two of them on our property. One of them is not in good shape. I'm trying to figure out how to propagate it, but I need to propagate it before I kill it. (laughs) Yeah. So that's one of the perennials that I'm working on. The other one that I want us to think about, and I'm just going to refer back to the previous show, is mushrooms. Yeah. Once we get those started and going, those kind of fall into the permaculture. They're just going to go when I find the ones that can handle the cold pretty good. And I'm thinking it's going to be the red cap ones, wine cap, excuse me. Those are going to be the ones that we're going to just kind of have every year. By the way, the mushroom episode we did about a month ago, hugely popular. I had so many people get a hold of me and say, I'm like you, Glenn. I can't believe I've never heard about mushrooms as food and medicine. It's so easy. It's so inexpensive. I mean, you can't mess up mushroom farming. Mm -hmm. You just can't mess it up. And so I highly commend that episode to folks because if you're thinking, okay, mushrooms, really? I mean, seriously, I want to talk about guns and you guys are talking about mushrooms. I'll listen to the episode and you'll be like, wow, this mushroom thing, it's a legitimate topic. So speaking of mushrooms too, especially the wine cap ones, I encourage you to just go out on the YouTubes, out on the wherevers, wine cap mushrooms, you can spread those between your plants and your garden. Yeah. You can spread those out just about anywhere as long as they have something to eat. And you need to find out what that is. Typically, it's straw or wood mulch. That's what they need. As long as it has that, they'll keep growing. There was one gardener that I like that I watch. He's from a similar zone than us. He like took some of that and just spread it everywhere on his property because he's like, this is constant food. It's amazing. So I think mushrooms are a great kind of partner plant with all of your other plants. So one of the last things before we go to the break, bare root stock. What yeah. is bare root stock? Uh, I don't know. Okay. It's those fruit trees, berry trees that you can buy now that are small. They typically are bare rootish or they're in just a little clump of dirt. Small root ball. Small root ball. 
and they're like 10 or $12. I just bought two hardy fig trees. Hardy figs can handle our zone at Tractor Supply for $12. As opposed to in about May, when fruit stock comes in, that's when I can go buy like a potted fruit tree for 60, 70, 80 bucks. I'd rather buy the $12 one. And you're not going to have any fruit on it for a number of years. Anyway, so what's the hurry? Yeah. So why not add a couple months onto it? But I will say this. If you go looking for a hardy fig tree in May, you're not going to find it because people know that the seasonal aspect of this. So if you're in like a tractor supply, a coastal store, honestly, even Home Depot, you're going to find these kind of near the garden center because they haven't really filled those centers out. Super cheap compared to what a full, more full grown version of that same tree would be in a few months. So this is a good time of year to start looking for some of those. Last year, I was able to get some hardy thornless blackberries that I hopefully will see how well they do this winter. We'll see. But bare root stock is a really good thing to start looking for now and planning for what are things that you want, what are varieties that you want so that you can have some food going on your property. We are going to talk a little bit, though, when we get to the break. We'll start on it here, but we're going to carry it into the after show. All the flowers. Yes. And I'm not just talking flowers for pollinating. Although I want to say this survival garden seeds. There you go. They have a pollinator mix. That sounds cool. It doesn't even list what's in it. I'm going to assume it's all the good things that um, attract what they say here is monarch butterflies. Anything that's a pollinator is going to increase your yield on your plants, your berries, your flowers, your trees that much more, especially fruit trees, especially berry trees where they need all of that good pollinating. If you can attract those and you're also helping the bee population. So something to think about there. But one of the first ones, I have about a minute that I want people to think about, and I've talked about this in a previous show. I'm going to be starting these flowers probably in about April. One of them is borage, and it's B-O-R-A-G-E. And you can buy the seeds at Survival Garden Seeds. Here they are right here. Yeah. And they are we very... We wouldn't make it up. I mean, nope. if we're shaking it, it's got to be real. So do these look very patriotic, Glenn? They do. They look sort of red, white, and blue. They are. And they look like a star. They do. They're super pretty. They're a pretty flower. That's what's nice about the flowers. They're super pretty. These are edible. So if you want to do like a patriotic sort of salad or something, you can put them on there. But these are also really medicinal. They have been known to help with eczema, arthritis, stress, PMS, diabetes, ADHD, fevers, heart disease, and on and on and on. It can also be used in tinctures. We've talked about them. Teas a skin poultice infused oil, and they're just plain edible. So this is something that's really good. It's a pollinator, it's edible, and it's medicinal. This is, in my mind, a superfood that all of us need to think about growing. We're going to talk about more of them in the after show. But folks, remember from Benjamin Franklin, as always, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week. Adios. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Learn about the latest book they authored together at foodpreps2-0.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared. Be prepared.